discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. The human mind has long grappled with the elusive nature of time. What it is how to record it, how it regulates life, and whether it exists as a fundamental building block of the universe. According to Wikipedia, time is the indefinite continued progress of existence and events that occur in an apparently irreversible succession from the past through the present into the future. Time has long been an important subject of study in religion, philosophy, and science, but defining it in a manner applicable to all fields without circularity has consistently eluded scholars. The physical nature of time is addressed by general relativity with respect to events in space-time. Examples of events are the collision of two particles, the explosion of a supernova, or the arrival of a rocket ship. Every event can be assigned four numbers representing its time and position. However, the numerical values are different for different observers. In general relativity, the question of what time is now only has meaning relative to a particular observer. Distance and time are intimately related, and the time required for light to travel a specific distance is the same for all observers. General relativity does not address the nature of time for extremely small intervals where quantum mechanics holds. At this time, there is no generally accepted theory of quantum general relativity. Temporal measurement has occupied scientists and technologists and was a prime motivation in navigation and astronomy. Periodic events and periodic motion have long served as standards for units of time. Examples include the apparent motion of the sun across the sky, the phases of the moon, the swing of a pendulum, and the beat of a heart. Time is also of significant social importance, having economic value as well as personal value due to an awareness of the limited time in each day and in human lifespans. And since time is precious, let's not waste any more of it. Let's get this show started. You're listening to Alternate Current Radio. I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. 
Going back to what Wikipedia's definition of time is, it is a component quantity of various measurements used to sequence events, to compare the duration of events or the intervals between them, and to quantify rates of change of quantities in material reality or in the conscious experience. Time is often referred to as a fourth dimension, along with three spatial dimensions. Time is one of the seven fundamental physical qualities in both the International System of Units and International System of Quantities. Time is used to define other quantities, such as velocity, so defining time in terms of such quantities would result in circularity of definition. An operational definition of time is highly useful in the conduct of both advanced experiments and everyday affairs of life. To describe observations of an event, a location, and time are typically noted. The operational definition of time does not address what the fundamental nature of it is. It does not address why events can happen forward and backwards in space, whereas events only happen in the forward progress of time. Investigations into the relationship between space and time led physicists to define the space-time continuum. General relativity is the primary framework for understanding how space-time works. Through advances in both theoretical and experimental investigations of space-time, it has been shown that time can be distorted and dilated, particularly at the edges of black holes. Wikipedia.org. Of course, that's a terribly mundane and boring explanation, as most things are on Wikipedia, so let us turn to a different source to help us understand better exactly what time is and how it works. According to an explainer by Science Alert, Time is a measure of non-stop consistent change in our surroundings, usually from a specific viewpoint. While the concept of time is self-evident and intuitive, the steady passing of events before our eyes, or the orbit of the moon around our planet, describing its fundamental nature is much harder. Even physicists aren't sure what actually happens when time passes, although they do have a few hypotheses. For centuries, time was regarded as a constant, independent force, as if the universe's progress is governed by a single clock. This description of time changed in 1905 with Albert Einstein's theory of special relativity. While the passing of time was already known to be closely connected to space, this monumental theory was the first to combine space and time into a single field, one with measurements that vary depending on the relative motion or gravitational forces of objects within it. Basically, that means time is relative. Two people moving at the same velocity will each agree their measures of distance and time match. As one person changes speed, however, they will see the other's measure of time and distance change, even as their own stays the same. Without any reason to prioritize one perspective of time over another, this means time isn't a constant universal unit at all. It is a relative measurement that varies as objects move faster or slower, or as they're subjected to more or less gravity. Gravity curves space and time. The stronger the gravity, the more it curves space-time, and the more time slows down. This is why people on board the International Space Station, which is further from Earth's gravity, age very slightly slower than those on 
Earth. Of course, for us to actually see these effects on time, the change in speed or gravitational pull must be enormous. But as an observer accelerates towards the speed of light, unique measures of time become increasingly noticeable. In theory, as a particle approaches the speed of light, we would see its clock slow down. Once it exceeds the speed of light, its clock would theoretically seem in reverse from our point of view. From the particle's point of view, our clock would seem to reverse. Similarly, the space contorting volume beyond the horizon of a black hole also distorts perspectives of time. In our universe, we have freedom of space and can move around as we like, but we're forced to march along time's arrow in a linear direction. Calculations show that crossing over a black hole's horizon would swap those freedoms, so we'd no longer have to follow time's strict arrow of direction, but we'd lose the freedom to move around in space, allowing for time travel of sorts. While these scenarios help us better understand time's nature, both light speed and black hole travel have constraints that prevent us from using them as practical ways to reverse time. Don't try either at home. Models of space-time can describe measurements of time and space varying from one point to the next, but they don't explain much about time's stubborn adherence to a sequence of events. Under these descriptions of time, our universe is a single block of space-time. There's sort of a beginning, before which our best understanding of the laws of physics can't be applied. There's sort of an end, where change is no longer measured with any significance. But no single slice of time stands out physically as quote-unquote now. Einstein once wrote, quote, People like us who believe in physics know that the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion, end quote. There might be a few clues to the mystery of time in fields of physics other than cosmology, though. For example, back in the 1870s, the Austrian physicist Ludwig Boltzmann proposed there was a link between time and an increasing level of disorder in the universe. By tying thermodynamics principle of entropy to time that only moves in one direction, it hinted at a possible explanation for why time's arrow points forward. Perhaps our universe moves from a low entropy, highly compact infant universe to a highly disordered, expansive universe drifting into the future. Outside of taking a trip into space and away from Earth's gravity well, there is a way to slow down time, at least from your own perspective. This has nothing to do with the physics and nature of time itself, but how fast or slow life feels to each of us. Some researchers say that exposing yourself to new experiences or environments can actually make time seem to pass slower. This may be to do with the amount of information our brains have to take in and process. When we're young or learning something new, the world seems to slow down. As we get older and get into a routine, the days and years seem to speed by. Unless you have a spacecraft, none of this is going to make you age any slower. Sorry. But knowing that time is a little more bendy than many of us think it is can be a reminder that we have our own ability to alter our perception of how fast the days pass, if only a little. ScienceAlert.com Ah yes, so, so much of our concept of time is directly linked to our perception of it. And speaking of time perception, a team of investigators has reported a new theory for how we sense the passage of time 
as we process sensory stimuli. As reported by Eureka Alert, the perception of time relates to the sense of touch. A new SISSA study, a sensory integration account for time perception, published in PLOS Computational Biology, uncovers this connection. Quote, the challenge to neuroscience posed by the sense of time lies first and foremost in the fact there do not exist dedicated receptors. The passage of time is a sensory experience constructed without sensors, notes Matthew Diamond, director of the Tactile Perception and Learning Lab. One might imagine a precise clock in the brain, a sort of stopwatch that registers the start and stop and computes the elapsed time between those two instants. But decades of research have not found any brain mechanism resembling a stopwatch. We thought that understanding sensory systems might be the key to understanding sense of time." End quote. The lead author of the study, SISSA PhD student Alessandro Toso, explains how the team approached the problem. Quote, we trained both humans and rats to compare the durations of two tactile vibrations. The main clue leading to the new theory is that the perceived duration of a vibration increases not only in relation to actual elapsed time, but also in relation to the intensity of the vibration. In other words, subjects of both species feel that a stronger vibration lasts longer." End quote. The team then proposed a model where the experience of the elapsed time accompanying a stimulus is generated when the neuronal representation of the stimulus itself is collected and summated by a downstream accumulator. This model would explain both characteristics of sense of time. A stimulus is judged longer when it is in fact longer, but also when its higher intensity evokes a larger sensory response. They tested the plausibility of the model by simulating the time percept that would emerge through integration of the neuronal firing of real spike trains recorded from the sensory cortex of rats receiving the vibratory stimulus. The close match of the model's prediction of perceived time to actual perceived time for the same stimuli supports the model. Now, the research will continue with the identification and analysis of the accumulator. Quote, For many years, this research group has been interested in touch perception and memory, Diamond says, following unexpected findings, our curiosity has led to a new research line, time perception. This brings us in synergy with Domenica Buetti, SISSA neuroscientist with an outstanding track record in time perception. We are looking forward to collaborating. End quote. EurekaAlert.org. And that's not all researchers are discovering about time perception. But before I tell you about it, I must warn you that if you have experienced the loss of a loved one because of suicide, you might want to skip the next few minutes of this episode. And, as a public service announcement, if you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. According to SciPost, new research provides evidence of a link between time perception and suicide. The study, published in European Neuropsychopharmacology found that many patients who recently attempted suicide had an altered sense of time, which may have exacerbated their distress. Lead research
researcher Ricardo Caseda, an associate professor at Stony Brook University and staff psychiatrist at the Northport VA Medical System, said, quote, This project represents the overlap of two subjects that fascinated me. The first is suicide and why and how a person decides to take his or her own life. As a clinician, I see how suicide can devastate the lives of suicide victims and their loved ones, and we try to use the available approaches to prevent it. The second subject is time, one of the dimensions that govern our universe, and how humans are influenced by it, perceive and make sense of it." End quote. For their study, the researchers surveyed 57 individuals who recently attempted suicide, 131 individuals suffering from suicidal ideation, 51 individuals with non-suicidal depression, and 48 healthy controls. The participants completed assessments of depression, self-harm, impulsivity, and executive function, along with two measures of time perception. The researchers found that those who had recently attempted suicide showed heightened levels of impulsivity compared with depressed patients without recent suicidal behavior. Time perception was associated with the duration of the suicidal process and suicidal ideation severity, which, quote, is suggestive of derealization or depersonalization type phenomena, the researchers said. It could be hypothesized that the height of a suicidal crisis could be a disassociative-like state triggered by overwhelming psychological pain and characterized by a slowed perception of time, end quote. In particular, participants who attempted suicide within three hours of making the decision to kill themselves tended to have a slower perception of time compared to those who waited a longer period of time. Caseda told SciPost, quote, the main take-home message is that a considerable number of persons who attempt suicide do so impulsively. For example, about 50% of individuals who attempt suicide do it within 10 minutes of making the decision to kill oneself. A second point is that during a suicidal crisis, individuals tend to experience time very slowly, likely contributing to the worsening of the experience of intense psychological distress." End quote. The study, like all research, includes some limitations. Quote, this work was done in adult patients suffering from depression, but suicide can occur in many other populations, Caseda noted. The next research question to be addressed is to elucidate the brain mechanisms underlying these abnormalities in time perception. Suicide is a heterogeneous and complex phenomenon, he added. We are learning a lot about it almost every day, but still have a long road before being able to curtail it. Thinking about suicide is not okay, and if somebody does, they should seek help. End quote. SciPost.org. And again, if you are hearing my voice and you are experiencing any kind of suicidal thoughts, please, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Their number again is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. And so that I don't end this episode on a dark note, let's get to the question that I know you're all thinking. Exactly what is your time worth? Well, according to NPR, courtesy of Planet Money, Benjamin Franklin, in between spending time flying kites and visiting prostitutes, noted that time is money in a 1748 essay titled Advice to a Young Tradesman. Thanks, Ben. Good insight, but 
time is how much money? Like, actually, how much money is time worth? The question actually really matters, especially for the government. Before pursuing projects, governments weigh costs and benefits to figure out whether the projects are worth doing. And for many types of projects, especially those having to do with roads or bridges or railways, one of the biggest benefits is time saved. It's why the U.S. Department of Transportation has spent a lot of time trying to figure out how much time is worth. It helps them figure out where to spend taxpayer dollars. For people like truckers, the calculation is kind of easy. They say the value of an hour saved on the road is just how much they get paid per hour. It makes sense. But for people off the clock and driving for personal reasons, the calculation gets more complicated. In 1997, the DOT, using the best available research at the time, came up with a formula for valuing personal travel time, half of what the typical household makes per hour. That works out to about $14 today. Yep. If you're driving to a park to, say, drink a couple of White Claws with your friends or whatever, the DOT says every hour on the road is worth about $14. A new study, sponsored by the rideshare company Lyft, conducted experiments on 3.7 million customers, and it suggests that the government has it wrong. The authors, Ariel Goldsmith, John A. List, Robert D. Metcalf, Ian Muir, V. Carey Smith, and Jenny Wang, are a mix of academic economists and employees of Lyft. Having a platform like Lyft to mess around with is kind of an economist's dream. The team was able to conduct experiments on millions of Lyft rides in nine American cities before the pandemic. They tweaked prices and wait times to test when users requested and didn't request rides. Then they were able to suss out how much people are willing to pay to wait less for their rides. It's a cool way to measure how people value their time. For a long time, economists have relied on surveys of people in which they're asked questions equivalent to how much would you pay to save five minutes? People in these surveys may not accurately give the value of their time because it's a hypothetical, but Lyft's data has information on the actual decisions that people make about how they value their time. If Lyft makes you wait five minutes more for your ride, will you take it? What if it charges you more for a shorter wait. Lyft has an interest in answering these questions because it wants to fine-tune their pricing strategy to make the most money. After crunching the numbers, the researchers found a precise estimate for the average value of time in the nine cities they studied, $19 an hour. Metcalf says, quote, the value of time that we estimate is significantly larger than what the U.S. government values people's time at, end quote. The researchers also found that the people's value of time shifts throughout the day. Quote, we do find that the value of time is 50% larger in peak commute in time versus non-peak commute in time. End quote. It makes sense. During commute time, minutes matter. People don't want to be late to work. The researchers also find that the value of saving minutes on rides increases when it's raining or snowing, because waiting in the rain or snow sucks. Now, regarding their overall estimate of the average value of time, we 
should note that their experiments were conducted in nine of the richest urban areas in America. New York City, Boston, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Miami, San Diego, Austin, and Seattle. These are bustling areas where people have disposable income and business meetings or dinner reservations where being five minutes late can matter. Plus, they're the type of people who pay for taxis. This likely skews their estimates upwards. The researchers said they took pains to address this by adjusting their sample to match nationally representative surveys done by the government, and they say they are confident in their findings. Quote, We think that right now policymakers are underestimating your time, Metcalf says. They're not giving it the full weight that you fully give it, and that's important for how we think about how the government should spend money. The benefits of any government projects that reduce wait time or journey time might not be valued correctly. End quote. Maybe it's time to change how we value time. NPR.org. And speaking of the value of time, this episode is starting to get too expensive, so I'm afraid we're going to have to continue this conversation about time next time. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been the Daily Ruckus for Monday, March 1st, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.